Hi, y'all. I'm Amy. And I'm Jess. And we are two sober women committed to helping you live an optimized life. This show is about stories and strategies to help you optimize your health, your relationships, and your businesses. We focus on keeping it simple and having fun. All right. Hi. Hey, welcome. Welcome to another episode of the Optimized Life Podcast. I'm so happy to be back with you, Amy, after our nourishing time together in Austin. Oh my gosh, that was just so, so beautiful to be able to, yeah, just reconnect to Austin together because I know it was the beginning of so many things for both of us. So talk about like why money triggers you. We'll definitely relate it back to this past weekend, but how are you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, I've had a really our opening yummy morning so far with clients and yeah, I'm really feeling that like we were talking about before we went live is just the springtime vibes in the, like in the air where people feel like they really want to come out and play and, um, and just feeling energy back in motion in a lot of different ways. So it's quite beautiful really is it does feel like there's kind of this new energy um and i think it's a lot of people kind of leaning back in um with covid levels being lower and of course we got to experience the energy of south by southwest here in austin which has been years for me even though i've been here all this time i haven't really gone out in that in a long time and it was actually very electric and uh really kind of fun to to romp around with you and in, in our old stomping ground. So yeah, totally. Yeah, we have. Yes, um, yes. I'm so excited to dive into today's topic, and I've just been uh, like called to really elevate the conversation around money. I feel like um, you know a lot of women come to me, and there is um, a yearning, a desire to take more control of their personal finances and kind of change their relationship with money and learn how to, to manage it, to organize it, to leverage it and invest it. And so these next three podcast episodes are going to be all about that. Uh, on today's episode though, we're really going to be diving into why it triggers us so much and why listener, you might be avoiding it. And, um, it, you know, I was working with a client the other night around this and helping helping her kind of change that energetic relationship with money. And by the end of the Zoom, she was like, oh, my gosh, it just, you know, it was so helpful. Just somebody sitting down with me and holding space while I got it all organized and streamlined and understanding where it's going. And so, yeah, I just again, like I'm feeling really personally called to um, just helping women change and expand when it comes to money. So excited to dive in with you on this topic. And um, absolutely, yeah, I know you see that in a lot of your clients. And so, yeah, you know, I guess let, let's dive right in. I mean, unfortunately, and I've always said this, you know, I for those of you who don't know, I, I grew up in a commune and um, for the first few years of my life. And I really have this uh, fond, I have many fond memories around it. And 
that that kind of we economy, that sharing, that shared resource economy. And, you know, I, I would love to be back in that energy, but that's just not like reality today. Right. And money is like the, you know, arguably one of the most important constructs we have. And it's it's deeply correlated with mental and physical health, too. And so. Um, I know a lot of the women I work with kind of come to it in their 40s and, and there's a lot of stress and anxiety around not having enough of it to retire or not having enough to kind of see this next vision for the second half of their life. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, I need to get this together, right? Because nobody has walked with them and held that space for them and and really showed them how, you know, it's something we're not, we're not taught anywhere. And I'll never forget when I graduated from from high school and even college. And I'm like, you know, starting out with managing my money. And I'm like, nobody's taught me how to do this. Nobody's taught me how to do my taxes. I mean, like very basic things that should be taught in school for just literacy for like, (laughs) so uh, we're excited to kind of, you know, start breaking that cycle. Right. And so really helping women to step into that and, and get clarity um, in a way that then allows them to have the capacity to step into, oh, okay, now I have that clarity. How do I, how do I do something about that? And maybe expand into other streams of income. So I know that's something I'm really passionate about. And then um, there's a really interesting study and back in 2017, but I would say that that's been amplified during COVID is, um, you know, it's called, the survey is called Stress of America. And it's by the American Psychology Association. They found money, you know, to be big surprise, to be the second biggest cause of stress behind future of our nation, which I thought was really interesting. I, I would say for me, that comes second to like future of life on earth <laughs> with like, you know, the planet and the state of the planet. But so I can see that a little bit. So isn't that incredible? Is that is that what you would have thought, Amy, would be the one and two stressor pre-pandemic? Mm, well, yeah, I think that it's really difficult so often for people to just be honest about the friction that they feel in their body around money and finances and the stories that just kind of automatically come out of people's mouths when they talk about money, when they talk about um, investing in different things, when they, I mean, it's such a, we're constantly talking about it. And I, because I am who I am and do what I do in the world, like I'm constantly noticing the, the physical body responses, the contraction that happens, you know, um, like right now today on, what is it? March 24th, 2022, you know, there's a lot of discussion about gas prices and, and oil and, and just to see people's like, you know, nervous systems wanting to agree on scarcity and to really connect deeply on scarcity. You know, it's from everyone from like the service person who came to like service my water heater or or my screen or something the other day in my house to, you know, just walking into the grocery store. It's, it's interesting. Like I, I, I feel like it's, it's always being talked about. And then there's this thing that happens in the nervous system and in the, in the human experience of like hiding it as well. And then making people who have, have it wrong or bad. And so I think there's just so much to unpack in this conversation. 
And how can we leave you listeners? And I think something would be so fun for you all to come with your questions, to come with like, oh, that really landed for me or that scared the shit out of me or whatever it is that's coming up for you. Because how great would it be to leave feeling more empowered after this three-part series to just be like, ah, money is not the root of all evil. Money does not cause divorce, right? Because I mean, if you've listened to anything I say, like what causes all of those things is dysregulation and the more honest and in integrity and in our truth and trusting that we can be towards ourselves and towards, you know, our relationship, because it is a relationship, a very important relationship with money that's going to solve a lot of these yucky feelings and it could like change your family system forever. Yeah, it's so powerful. That's all that lands very deeply for me. So thank you for for going into that a little bit. And I'll just add on to the scarcity. I feel like, um, yeah, we are hearing that around everything, inflation, gas prices, da, da, da. And, and that is real, right? That is real to some extent. But it's like society, as a society, like we come back to, like you said, the scarcity as opposed to like, how can we how can we pay less as opposed to make more, right? So we go, we're taught and conditioned around that scarcity to cut coupons and to uh, uh, to look for coupons and, and promo codes and like, you know, shop at uh, Black Friday and things like that. Like we're always looking for ways to save, but not really taught how to expand and create more. And, and, and that's what I hope after these three, you know, this three part series that, that you, you know, start to kind of shift and, and maybe get something really powerful out of that because, um, yeah, there's just, and I, I'm not going to go on a soapbox with this, but the more we're trying to like pay less for something, the more that impacts like the earth and like slave labor. And like, and so it's like, there's like so many, um, you know, negative, even the, even fossil fuels and, and gas prices. Right. I mean, we literally want to pay less for something that's destroying our planet and for something that, um, is responsible for one out of every five deaths on our earth. So it's like, how do we shift into that abundance and that sustainability and, and that sort of energy? And so it's just, yeah, un, un decoupling and, uh, like, from all of what we've been taught is, is going to be really good through these conversations. And I will, I will say, did you have something to add? I do. Yeah. Because, you know, something that's just so important to remember here is that decisions around money are emotional. And so it's, it's so interesting because we will make something so big And then we will go invest our money in something that might not make any sense or be really in alignment with. And I I really feel like that just talks to the expansion. As someone who has like, I've restarted my life, you know, and I could have been in a story of scarcity or I could have been like, oh, whatever, like I'm, I'm at zero, I'm actually below zero and it's okay because I totally fully trust myself to get where I wanna go. Like I don't have to, because I trust myself so deeply, the constructs of what people tell me is possible doesn't matter to me 
right? Like, yes, I have a masculine structure to hold it all. But when you're an expander, when you choose to trust yourself more deeply and get clear on these things, that can open up a whole new thing of just like, I don't want to participate in that conversation because that's just not who I am. So I think it gives a lot of freedom and, and it helps that optimization in, gosh, like everything, because money is a driver to how you live, period. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get away, Jess. I feel that with you, you know, and as, as Amy and I were down in the, in the downtown South by Southwest energy, which, you know, had been years for us. um, It was a great reminder that I'm so grateful that I've done the work that really allows me to be clear on what's important to me. And that drives every purchasing decision and my relationship with money um, in, in a way that feels very in alignment. However, it is easy uh, to, to get distracted, right? And just one night down in the downtown Austin area, and I was, you know, like, oh, maybe I should be doing, have better this, or maybe I need to go to West Elm and buy some furniture, you know? I mean, it was just very, it was a good um, reality check for me that that's for, that happens to everybody, right? And so just coming back, constantly coming back to that. And we're going to really unpack that here and how Amy and I um, really come back to our bodies and ask, you know, is that true for me? Like you were just saying. And I will say too, you know, now more than ever, like it, it's just with everything going on in the world, right? All the uncertainty we have, you know, another COVID variant, um, there's all inflation, the geopolitical tensions, all of these things happening. And so, you know, now more than ever to to really create that healthy relationship around, you know, what's important to you when it comes to money and 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 where you'd like to see the the flows and how you'd like to see that happen based on what's important to you and then and then to really learn ways to increase that, right? Because we just the uncertainty. So the the best way to do that is to, you know, come back to what's true for you and how you spend it and then learn how to create more of it in a way that feels in alignment, right? So that's what we're going to be unpacking to some extent over these three episodes too. So let's dive into why it triggers you and why you might be avoiding it. And um, yeah, this is going to be a fun conversation. So, you know, what are the, what are the family slash generational things that, that you've been conditioned um, you know, to around money. And I think you said it perfectly. You're like, money is the root of all evil, right? I mean, how long have we heard that? And it really isn't. And I just think about, I'm going to plug Mackenzie Bezos, right? Because yesterday she gave away two of the biggest um, things ever. And, you know, and I don't know if it's called endowments or whatever she's doing with her billions of dollars. <laughs> and one was to Habitat for Humanity, and that's just beautiful. And the other was to Planned Parenthood. And that, you know, with everything going around right now, I thought, a woman who's actually like doing good with her money. Right. And so that can be a really good force for positive change. Right. So that was inspiring to me yesterday um, because I think a lot of people, and maybe this is you, you know, you grew up in a household where it was the man's job to make it, to manage it. um, And that, you know, that was outside of your scope as a woman, as a female, right. Or was it, you know, a taboo topic to talk about, which, you know, that's something that 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 is something that we are really working to <laughs> take down the walls around. Right. Because, I mean, at any point, um, you know, you can be without a man or without a partner and, you know, having that understanding and that regulation around it is so important. So 
Yeah. What, what were some of the things in your household, Amy, um, that, that you think growing up were some of the stories that you were ingrained with around money? I'd love to, to hear that. Yeah. Well, so my grandparents were first generation from Mexico. And so, um, my, all my aunts and uncle or my one aunt and my uncles were all raised in the same house that I was actually raised with in until I was five too. So there wasn't much, my grandfather was an entrepreneur. And so, um, that was great in so many different aspects of what I learned in my nervous system, but there, there was definitely a feeling of not enoughness all the time. There was a, there was my grandmother would hide money. Um, there was just, you know, like we don't talk about it. It's always, it's something that we yell about. We don't really like have grounded conversations. My dad was so fortunate to, um, to get into the fire department at a young age. And, um, and that really supported to, to start shifting and changing. So second generation in this country start to start changing the conversation. And all my uncles that were in the fire department or police department, which was just like such a great next step for someone who barely finished high school and didn't get, you know, a college education. And then I'm the first person to ever go to college in my family system. Right. So like our relationship with money growing up was that there wasn't enough of it. It was the one thing that I remember my parents fighting about all the time. I've always told my partners, like, I never want to argue about money because I'm so scared of it. Like that's what causes divorce. That's what causes pain. That's what causes arguments. Um, it was just painful. And, you know, interestingly, I started making money very easily in my life at a very young age. Like I was great at lemonade stands and babysitting. And then when I worked at Sonic, which was my first like real job with an employer, it just opened up so many different avenues for me. Cause I was in contact with so many people throughout the day as a car hop. And I was, I was managing Sonics when I was in high school. So I was already, and then started my first business from Sonic from a customer that approached me there and wanted me to come work for him. So the, the story, and I treated it the same way that I was taught the story in my nervous system was still that there wasn't going to be enough. It's not safe to talk about it. And I didn't know how to like organize it because I was so afraid to even tell my parents how much money I was making because everyone wanted to make me kind of wrong for that. So it's just, you know, there's a lot to unpack. And I'm sure that as you're listening out there, listeners, there's so many different parts of the story that you can relate to, or you're shaking your head or you're tapping on your steering wheel or you're, you're running and you started running a little faster, remembering your childhood and these ideas. But what I really want to point out here is that all of this was coded on my nervous system, whether or not I was listening to it, whether or not it was my belief system, it's something that I will continuously throughout my life, be unpacking and, un, you know, decoupling from many different things in my life. And now living across the street from my parents, I see it come up in me every day, every single day. So, um, you know, I think one of the things that I really want people, you to really hear from this conversation is that like, it's not going to be done one day right? It's just not, we're not just going to wake up and be like, oh, 
oh, I've got it all figured out around money. No, like neuroception is real. You're going to feel something in the world. You're not going to know where it comes from. And suddenly you're going to be like counting your pennies or whatever it is. So um, yeah, lots to unpack there. Yeah. And I think when it comes to, and, and you and I are very similar in terms of like working at a very young age and learning how to, you know, make it, make money and, and, and that sort of thing. And I can certainly relate to on that. I think where my conditioning around money came in is, um, you know, my parents were entrepreneurs and when money was abundant, it was abundant. And when it wasn't, it wasn't right. And so um, there was a mentality there of when you, if you got it, spend it, right? Um, and then there didn't feel like there was much uh, planning for, you know, the the highs and lows of running your own business, right? And um, that sort of thing. And so that was imprinted on me to be able to think a little bit more in the future so that, you know, when when business dries up because the you know, inflation is at 8% or gas prices have gone out and people retract when it comes to spending that you have some cushion there. So, um, and I, you know, and I will say, you know, my childhood and, and growing up in Hawaii, I, it was, it was beautiful. We always, it was very abundant, um, but there was just kind of watching that dynamic with, with my family. And so that really shifted things for me. I, like you got, got jobs very early on. Um, you know, by 16, 17 was making a lot of money and really felt empowered around that. And so I love to work and create my own money, even though we had an abundance of it growing up, um, because like that was something that was mine. Right. And I remember saving for my first car and that sort of thing. And and then when I got out of college, same thing in college, I, you know, multiple jobs um, and really just, uh, yeah, always wanting to have my own of it. And it wasn't until I started my first job. I, I remember sitting in the cubicle, right? I was like two or three months into my first real job out of college. And I, that was the first time I bought Quicken, which is, you know, software that helps you manage and organize uh, your money. And I've been using that ever since. So that's, you know, 1999. And, and I've just penny to the penny. I know what's going in, what's going out. Um, what categories, uh, you know, I'm like spending money in that don't fuel me or don't light me up that I can like get rid of and put it somewhere else. And so just having that clarity for decades um, has been something that's been very empowering and learning how to manage it, organize it and invest it. Um, it's just something I love to train and teach on and walk with people on. So that's been for years for me. And then I worked in the financial sector, um, designing trading systems for Wall Street. So just having that knowledge is very empowering. And so I love to pay that forward. So that was like the main conditioning for me. It's like, you know, yeah, when things are good, it's good. And when things are bad, you know, so that that foresight of the future wasn't there. Um, and then, you know, it was around my first job that I started to um, educate myself around money too. You know, I started to read the books. There's some wonderful personal finance books, and you know, um, that I've read over the years and we'll put them in the show notes as, uh, as, you know, recommendations, but just like really leaning into it all, understanding how the, the system works, right? That's really helpful for the nervous system, I think, because money and investing tends to feel complicated. Um, and it's that way on purpose, right? Like, I don't want to go into like, there's this conspiracy around wanting to keep the public dumb, but there really is 
<laughs> because uh, there is when it comes around money. That's why the, the income uh, gap is the way it is right now, right? And so to, to really like lean into that and learn about it has been one of the most empowering things um, for me personally. So again, that's something I wasn't taught and something I leaned into on my own. And um, it's allowed for a lot of stability, which is helpful for my nervous system, right? So I think the takeaway from what you said in terms of being imprinted on the nervous system for me, it was like that, that unknowing, that uncertainty um, didn't work well for me around money. And so I changed that at a very young age. Yeah. Absolutely. And so um, for our listeners, like wherever your nervous system lands around money, like I just a quick, like we've, we, Jess and I kind of have totally different um, upbringings and conditioning around money. And um, what Jess said is so beautiful because like the way that she's imprinted, the way that her nervous system responds to the world is she likes order, right? And so you might not be there yet, but what we're talking about is that helps just feel safe. And our number one goal of these, these three episodes and beyond is to help you feel safe. Your version of taking care of and being in relationship with your money can totally be different than anyone else's this right now in this moment, whether you're driving or walking or running or cleaning your house, like just take a moment and be like, I get to have the relationship with money that I desire. My nervous system will help you to lean into that safety and you're safe to do it your way. You know, Mm, and I just really want that to be felt out there because it can be different for everyone. And we, we're going to give you structures and all kinds of different things that you get to take what you want, leave what you don't and come back for more later. Because this money causes compare. And I want to be out there with y'all like, you don't, there's nothing to despair here. These are all just like tools and beautiful ways to start relating to your money in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And that really ties into that societal conditioning, right? Um, really it, that, that for me has been one of the things that was probably the hardest to decouple from, right? Like when you don't take time to really tune in to what's real for you around money, like you're saying, um, just like really come back to your body and like, what's, what's your personal experience. If you don't do that and really take the time to do that, um, then you end up using like societal default for what is success when it comes to money. And I know I got really caught up in that and it really came full circle for me when I was sitting in my house the day after quitting my job and I was sitting all alone in this, in this big house with like all the things and just really thinking, tuning into my body for the first time around, like, what is this life that I created that now I'm like, this is the first step I'm decoupling from. Right. So again, like I took on, you know, I did the, went to school, get a, went to a good college, get a good job. Like Amy did as well. Right. You took that route of what society says is the definition of success. Next thing you know, you're in, a, in this world. You're like, how the fuck did I get here? And uh, that was me all through corporate America, you know, thinking that money was going to be, you know, going to buy happiness. And I got caught in that loop for a long time. 
And I thought, gosh, if I just made more, if I just got promoted, if I just, you know, it, it was always around, I'd be happy when um, things changed at my job. And it wasn't until I quit my job that I realized that none of that was making me happy. And I had to change my relationship around money. And that was a big you know, a big component of this evolution in my own life um, from, you know, the societal status quo to entrepreneur. And they both have their ups and downs, right? I mean, there's pros and cons to both of them. I mean, I sometimes joke around about, you know, like, what would that be like to to pull the lever and check in every day, right? And and just be able to leave your work and 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 then we think about what that really looks like. We're going, no, 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 we have bigger things to do in the world that we feel called to, right? But you know, there's um, yeah, the uncertainty happens in both areas. But again, when I was sitting in my my house all by myself that day after I quit my job and just feeling really empty and um, looking at all the things and realizing that I fell for that. And again, like that's no judgment on any anybody else. It, it's just that that didn't make me happy. And I realized that for the first time when I was sitting all alone at home with my stuff. <laughs> And so, yeah. yeah. And I just want to ping in here, like what you just said and reflect that back to you, because um, ugh, one of the things is like money can't buy you happiness. And I, I, I disagree with that. Right. Like you get to tune into what your version of joyful moments and happiness is. And maybe you took a path that wasn't completely aligned with you. And can you come back and, you know, and just really define like, oh shit, no, like being able to, I love nice hotels, right? Like I love experiences. They don't really make any sense. I'm not going to like the return on investment is joy for me. And that means a lot to me. And that's who I am in the world. I'm an experimental learner. I'm an experimental human. Like I don't, mm, I want to do things. I want to feel things. And that's, what's important to me. Having a brand new car as a woman who doesn't have a car at all right now, like that's just not that important to me, but that's okay. Right. And maybe one day it will be, and that's okay too. But like that's another like little myth buster that I wanted to put in there because money can support you to feel the way that you want to feel if you let it. Oh yeah. Thanks for reframing that because I so agree. So money doesn't, I found that money and buying materialistic things and surrounding myself with stuff didn't buy me happiness, but what money does buy is freedom and that freedom creates the autonomy and that autonomy creates the happiness. And so there is a link there. And so thank you for, for bringing that forward because at, at the end, I mean, the money links to happiness just through a couple other things. <laughs> All day right? long, yeah, yeah. And so to just like, you know, smash that idea and that coding in our nervous systems because it comes back to that it's, ah, oh, it's bad, it's hard, it's done, it's done. And then you'll feel that, you literally feel the closure in your in your body of just like I can't have that and where I'm like how can I figure out how I get that <laughs> right like and that's and that's an optimist as opposed to a pessimist and that's a nervous system and a trauma response so mm, yeah 
Yeah. And when we think, when we go back to like what triggers us, right, it triggers us if we're not clear as to what's important to us and what lights us up around money, right? So like you just said, the experiences, the eating, you know, delicious, healthy, nourishing foods, like when I really got clear on like what lit me up around what I want to buy, what I like to buy and what I don't like to buy, right? So you just said a car is not important to you. And I was thinking about this this morning, like things that just have no relevance to me, clothes shopping. Like I really just don't care about clothing, right? I don't care about pedicures and manicures and that sort of stuff, you know? Um, but I will spend an unlimited amount of money on food and experiences and travel and first class travel, right? So I have that very clearly defined. It's not that we are, you know, uh, without and we, you know, penny pinch and all of this. We have categories that are defined in our budget that we can spend as much as we want on. And then categories that just don't add any value. Um, so we spend less on that, right? And so that's where, you know, where, where it gets triggering is where, you know, you, if you don't have that defined, then, you know, you take on other people's definition of what they like to spend money on, right? So I think that's coming back to that is really important. And that that starts by defining your core values and, and where what's true for you. And I know, Amy, you speak to this as sacred truths, right? And that has changed everything for me defining that, really defining that. And, and we'll put in the show notes, um, the core values list. So you can look to see, like take, you know, pick two or three out of that. And then um, think about, you know, are you making decisions based on those core values? And now like every purchasing decision is made, made on that for us, right? So um, Ryan and I, you know, we're, our core values are really similar. Actually, it was fun to do that exercise together. If you have a partner, that's really fun to do together. Like what's important to you? And then what's important to your partner? And do they align? And if, you may, if not, maybe life's too short and you do something else, right? So I like, um, you know, the, the questions that I ask myself before I lean into anything, money or decision or anything I say yes to is will this bring me more time and freedom, right? Because I like to work as little as possible. I wanna have as much free time to experience this beautiful world while we have the opportunity to still be living on this planet. Um, so that's the first thing. Will this create more freedom, um, more time? And so that leads to me not buying a lot of stuff. Why? Because I don't want to manage stuff, right? I don't want to spend any more of my life managing a yard, pruning things, uh, repairing house things that break down, right? Which has been a lot of our life. We're decoupling from that. So again, you know, think of, think about that if you had it defined for yourself, how that would change, you know, every Amazon purchase we don't make. Because I'm like, where is that going? to go in my house that we're not going to have here shortly, right? <laughs> so um, that's the first core value for me. And then the, the second core value is just living that simple life, which again, ties into that time and freedom. So again, will this create, you know, uh, just a simpler, lighter life for us? Um, so that changes a lot of our purchasing decisions. And that moves a lot of our, our money spent to experiences and travel and like connecting with this beautiful planet and that sort of thing. And then, um, yeah, so those are the two. And then um, for me too, I, I, I have a strong pull to sustainability and kind of living in harmony with nature. So again, that drives a lot of my purchasing decisions, um, knowing full well that I have to, I'm offsetting that with 
you know, uh, jet fuel when I travel, right? So I'm very aware of like the carbon footprint <laughs> and, um, you know, the weighing the pros and cons of various things. So defining that for me has made everything um, so much easier when it comes to money, because then I'm like, there's no temptation. I don't need things that don't mean anything to me, right? I don't need that latest and greatest thing, um, you know, that's mined with child labor. You know, I think about an Apple product, right? And this is something I'm thinking a lot of, um, just recently, but like the Apple factories in China have nets around them where people live because so many people were jumping to their deaths. So you think about like, you know, just where everything that, and this is for me personally, this might not be like something relevant for you, but I really think about everything and like where it ties back to how it's made and the resources that are extracted to make it. And so that's been a journey of my own to like really check in and see if, you know, am I living that core value of sustainability, right? So those are some of my core values and how I've shifted my mindset around money. A lot of that has happened after corporate America, after sitting in my big house with six flat screen TVs and a boat that was just sitting in our driveway and decoupling and living a simpler life, right? And now um, we just don't spend money on those sorts of things. But I did, <laughs> I did get my nails done every week for I don't know how many years, right? And now I'm like, is that important to me? No, it isn't, right? So it's just really, it, it's empowering when you when you do that work to check in and then um, kind of have the blinders on going forward, right? So I'd love to hear what that looks like for you in terms of how you've checked in and, and gotten clarity around the direction of money and, and to make it so it doesn't trigger you. Mm. Well, I can't say it doesn't trigger me. That's just not, will never be true. Like I, I just, that's just not honest, um, which is actually one of my things is like, is this true for me? Right. Like one of the things that I protect all of my, my, my decisions with is like, is this really true for me? I just made a decision to get Invisalign and I did not have any idea I was going to make that decision. But what is true for me is that every day I'm like a little bit concerned about like my like my oral health and how it relates to like me being the best version of myself and where I'm taking my business and where I'm taking my life and how I just don't want to have to worry about these things. But every day there's a little friction of of like, oh, like this is, this is definitely something that's going to inflame my life later and I can take care of it now. And so that is in tr my truth. And I trust myself that this investment is going to pay it forward for my well-being. And that's something that I really protect as well is like, I like to feel the way I want to feel whatever that is, sometimes I want to feel crappy and I let myself feel crappy. Right. And money, like it, it informs these decisions. It informs. And, you know, I was just thinking back while you're telling that story of like, I've been really actually in alignment with how I invest in my, in myself. I invest in education and I'm a lifetime learner and I've always invested in that way. And I have invested in experiences. I was just remembering my, my first like love of my life. Him and I were like 19 going to Fredericksburg, Texas and staying at these really nice Airbnbs. And people were just like, like everyone around us was like in their forties, which seemed so old when we were that age. But like, I've always invested that way. Like I would rather put 
this money into like us going and having these beautiful experiences. And so I feel like I've been protecting that for a long time. And I, I believe in like making things last because it does have a carbon footprint. I mean, I, you know, it's some people would look at it and be like, it's scarcity. And I'm like, what? No, it's like, why put this into some wherever they go when I, it's still totally useful to me. And it doesn't bother me that, you know, it, it bothers you that something's wrong with it. It doesn't bother me. And if you're bothered by it, that's not really my problem. So I don't have to change who I am and how I choose to invest my money because you're uncomfortable with it. And so I think that, you know, those are just really solid things that are built on self-trust and, you know, such a big component of what comes out of the work that I do in the world is a really grounded confidence and trust. And like, again, if you're going to take anything from these next three podcasts, it's like, can you trust that within yourself? Which is another one of my sacred truths is just really living a life in integrity with that. Because when I look back at why I drank the way I did, it was so I could step outside of my integrity. It was because I didn't have the confidence and the grounded courage and the nervous system regulation to hold my truth. And I wonder like if you're out there, if you can just ask yourself, like, where am I, where am I out of integrity with my money? And how is this causing friction in my relationships and in all these different areas of my life? Because again, like, what is the root of all evil? I don't know, but it definitely causes friction in your body. And you actually have a lot of control over that. And it's a beautiful, empowering um, moment when you have that realization, like Justin in her house, right? Of like, oh, wait, I don't even need these things. Because, um, yeah, one of my clients was saying like, I want to fill the void. I want to fill the void. And I said, can we just reframe that and say like, Ooh, I created a lot of space on purpose and that space is okay. I don't have to fill it with anything. Yeah. I mean, there we go. <laughs> and I will just uh, that was all so good I I actually I love how you worded it like the grounded courage and um, where am I out of integrity and just coming back to like you have agency right you have agency to break that cycle and you're you know that you that's been passed down through generations and what you said about getting Invisalign really um, really jumped out to me because I think What's so interesting and, and with the people I work with and, um, and mentor, you know, that there's something blocking them from investing money in themselves, right? It's really, really hard because again, that's, that's something we're conditioned, right? It's like spend, spend, spend externally. And then it's like, you know, and then feel guilty if you want to have a, you know, a spa day or whatever, right? 
And I just think, you know, to change that um, and to be part of like changing that paradigm, right? Because if you don't invest in yourself and your health and exactly what you're saying with, you know, taking care of your oral health so it doesn't become this problem down the road, which is not too far down the road for us, right? And like, how do you do that preventative thing now? So, you know, you live the best possible life in this, you know, in this next chapter. And I think that's just so important to, to really help people um, embody and give themselves permission and really change that paradigm because there's no better investment. And one of the things that, that I invest unlimited money in, and it's not like, you know, it's not unlimited. It's just whenever I want to, right? It's, it's not like, um, it is self-care and investing in support and investing in um, nutrition products that will help take my body to the next level. And there's really like no budget for that sort of thing. So healthy, good quality, healthy food. There's never a universe where I'm going to, you know, a comparison shop um, with a coupon to try to get the best, you know, generic thing because I can get two for the price of one, but I didn't need it anyways, right? And so, you know, again, that's a conditioning that that we're taught and uh, it just kind of makes me laugh a little bit, but, but yeah, that's real, right? And so that's just areas where I personally, um, yeah, don't, don't hold back. And I really, there's no better investment. There's no better investment in yourself and your health um, and in, you know, having tools to regulate your, your nervous system and your body, like you were just saying. Yeah. And like everything that, you know, what really matters to people is their mental wellness, their financial wellness, their physical wellness, right? The, the, what, moments of joy, of love, of gratitude, all of these things. It's just like, can you even keep it simple and run it through those filters? Like, is this, you know, helping me to like be my best in these areas? You know, it, yeah, we complicate things as humans and I'm, you know, I'm a human too. And I just think I, I, I giggle a lot because even the way that I drank and I had a beautiful wine collections, you know, I was a part of every single thing that I fell in love with. And, and it was all those experiences, like what I was really investing in was the experiences, the backstage pass to the, the farm and to like what I was what I was investing in was the, the deep connection, you know, like I still Joy Sterling, who is iron horse, in, in up in um, the Russian River Valley in Northern California, like I love keeping in contact with her and watching her parents past, and she's now like running the winery. And like I think back, and I I can't even tell you how many. Like it's going to make me a little teary because I can't even tell you how many beautiful times I had there. And I still stay in connection with her, you know. And like that's what I was investing in, because like that even right now makes my heart swell with joy and connection for her and her family and just everything that I got to experience there. So, you know, it's just like really we don't have to make ourselves wrong or bad or anything. Like I am clear that like that was a good thing for me to do for myself at the time. No, like there was nothing wrong with it. And how can you start to reestablish those relationships in your life with money? Like it's not only what it it's right in front of you. There's so much more that that's the expansiveness that Jess and I are talking about. And that's what Amari is all about. That's what 
our, you know, the way that we lead in our, in our own agency and the way that we coach other people is all about, it's like, mm, we're all, it's all guiding you closer to you and what's important to you. Thank you for saying what you said. Cause that like really opened something up in me of like, this conversation is important y'all. And it's more than what meets your black and white rigidity thinking, you know, there's just so many layers to it. So many layers. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for this beautiful conversation and a great start to this three um, episode um, series that we're doing. And um, we would love to hear from you, like what triggers you? We would love to know. Um, yeah, there's, let's unpack that together. Hopefully you've taken some tools from today of really coming back to what's true for you. And I'll just reiterate, you know, Amy and I have done a lot of work around what's true for us, right? And hers is trust and truth. And that's just so beautiful that that's what she checks in with every time you know, she has anything that comes up around money and purchasing and saying yes to things, right? And for me, it's more of the freedom, the simplicity, and does this, you know, uh, is this sustainable in a way that feels good in my body and to the earth, right? So whatever that is for you, we'll go ahead and put the the worksheet um, in the show notes and, and really take some time to do that with you and your partner. When I did that with Ryan, it was so, so fun. And I remember like talking to you, Amy, I was like, oh my gosh, I did that exercise with, with Ryan. And um, to see that our our core values, our sacred truths literally like overlap each other. Like for my freedom, his is independence. For for um, for my nature, him is resourcefulness, right? And so it just overlays in this way that I'm like, oh, that's why we work so well together, right? And um, so that was like, it was so fun to do together. And then maybe you do it and you're like, oh, maybe this is... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is a sign to, to do something different. I don't know. But um, again, you have agency in that. And we're just so grateful that you tuned in today. And we're excited to, to be with you um, on these next couple episodes, to, episodes as we bring this all in for a landing. Yes. So good. All right. Bye, y'all. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. And the best way that you can support us in the Optimize Life podcast is to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. And we would love to gift you the Optimize Life toolkit when you do that. So thank you so much for your support. Thanks again. And to go ahead and grab your copy of the Optimize Life toolkit, head over to www.jessyonda.com slash the optimized life. And we have put together five hacks for you that will finally help you get in the zone all day, every day. Just so you know, we so appreciate each and every one of you. And thank you for joining us on this optimized journey.